Welcome to Bench Reactions, an NBA podcast brought to you by Sloppy Steaks and Slicked Back Hair. That slicks back <laughs> real nice. I'm oh really mad God. I don't have mine back right now. <laughs> you would have really not liked me back then. <laughs> I said was. If we did video pods, uh, if, so if we did like video pods, we could do one where we're all slicked back best we can. Be so awesome. We absolutely yeah. should do video pods. <laughs> wearing fedo- we wearing fedoras. Yeah. Yes. Only stands over him. Dangerous night. <laughs> uh, Slop him up. Why is that Dangerous right. Night's song not on Spotify? Like, Is it not? That's like the best song ever. Monetize it, Tim. Sell out Dude, to the people a little time. bit. It's time. Give the people what they want. For real though. All right, I'm your host, Patrick Hervey, and I'm joined today by my fellow Dangerous Nights crew members, Zach Burnham and Jason Lamprecht. What's up, guys? What's up? It's a dangerous night. I'm just bummed because Blue Dolphin <laughs> burned down. John Wright <laughs> works for his brother now. <laughs> but they can't stop us <laughs> from ordering a glass of water. Oh, so good. All right. On today's episode, we are going to give our reactions to what has become an absolutely insane Eastern Conference Finals. We're going to play a little game of burning Burnham questions now that our guy Zach is officially back. It's been a few weeks. And then finally, we'll wrap up with my mud pie moment of the week. So uh, again, let's jump, let's jump right in. Celtics, Heat, Game 6, Madness, Saturday Night, danger, <laughs> Dangerous Nights, Jason was at a wedding. I'm guessing, Jason, you were not following along as this game progressed, or were you checking the score, or uh, were you dancing on the dance floor and very, not paying attention? Very periodically checking. Uh, sadly, uh, I saw some friends sitting at a table with a phone open and sat down just in time to see the tip-in. So, really... Perfect timing for a huge Celtics fan <laughs> like Jason. Just, just, uh, just like a really quick, really quick punch to the gut. Um and uh and got to go back to the dance floor just really good stuff i i kept the vibes good though i I didn't show it did you think that the shot was good when it went in because i'll be honest i did not think that it was good when it went in i thought it was late so i was watching in pakistan from a probably like chinese or korean website (laughs) over a vpn so i had your reaction and chase's reaction on the text thread (laughs) going crazy and i'm like a minute behind like man boston's offense sucks what's going on (laughs) (laughs) they're really gonna blow this (laughs) i mean that's definitely what i thought i i obviously definitely thought it went in when it when i saw it go in because i already knew it had gone in i yeah we ruined we ruined the surprise for you unfortunately because i was watching like on a phone like trying to give three people a view of it like i didn't i couldn't even tell like that he was in the clump of players near the hoop and like that the ball had like squirted out into the hoop. And so I couldn't even start to think about whether it beat the clock or not. But once I saw that it was in, I was like, Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it beat the clock because yeah. when you guys first texted like Derek white, I I just assumed he'd like hit a three or something. That was just a crazy, uh, crazy finish. True to every out of bounds play call that the Celtics ever have in an end game situation. The ball went to Marcus smart. It just, I don't know how it always ends up that way. They can't keep getting away with it. They can't keep getting away with it. <laughs> like, you, <laughs> you do not deserve to win a game where you let Marcus Smart take the final shot. It's not cool. It just it needs to. He almost take, hit it. I know. Credit, he almost credit. hit it. It was in and out. Yeah. Yeah. But credit the Heat defense, man. Yeah. The deny on, yeah. on Jason Tatum was for real. Credit them right up until there was one second left. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean, obviously there was a lot of just funkiness with this game, right? So let me just list off a couple things. So the Celtics shot seven for 35 from three. That's 20%. The Heat shot 14 for 30 from three. That's 46.7%. They shot 33 for 93 overall. They shot 35.5%. The Heat did. So they shot better from three than they did from the field in general. Um and they still ended up losing. And 
I don't know. Again, I, I watched the entire second half uh, with this Boston team, man. Like, I just always assume that they're going to fall apart at some point. So they had a 10-point lead, I would say, for most of, like, the end of the third going into the fourth. With four minutes left, they're up 98-88, and that's when just absolute chaos ensued. I think that's when Jimmy finally started to turn it on. He and Bam combined were just not good from the field. I mean, so Jimmy was 5 for 21 for for the game. Bam was four for 16. But until that last like two, three minutes, Jimmy was like three for 19. Like he he had not done any. It looked like his legs were completely shot. Bam was not getting anything going on offense. Really, the reason they were in the game was because of their role guys. Caleb Martin had an amazing game. Dude, Caleb um, Martin has been a godsend been, for that team. He's been incredible this whole series. Oh my gosh, man. He's playing like a top 20 guy. And this, Rick, really the whole the whole playoff. So he kept him in it. I mean, Duncan Robinson had moments. Um, obviously, it was Chef's Kiss when he missed two absolutely as long open As long threes. as someone is right in his face and he's shooting a difficult three, then Duncan Robinson's great. Give him, give him an open shot, a wide open three. You know that thing's not going in. You knew he was. It. He overthought it. You knew he, he was. Overthought yeah, it. You knew he was missing it when he took a dribble. Don't take a dribble, man. Like, I, I get yeah. it, but don't. <laughs> like... I think he was like, wait, why am I so wide open? Because yeah. if you like, so if you watch the replay, there's a moment where Jalen goes like to start closing out and then stops and then turns back. And it's almost like Duncan was like, what do I do? And then he took that dribble, shot it up. I thought it was going in when he shot it, clanked it off the back rim. But um, oh, I definitely did too. Yeah. Yeah. What did you guys that and the, there was another one after that. Yeah. So there were two of them down the stretch. Sorry, Jay. What were you no, saying? Either say. one of those, they win that game. What did you guys think about Jimmy pulling three free throws out of his butt uh in that oh my in that situation? It's classic Jimmy. It's like, a great, it yeah, was a great knew, move. I knew he was gonna hit all three. Like, like Horford Horford shouldn't have had his arm there. And as soon as Jimmy saw that, he's just too savvy. He's too good at drawing fouls. He jumped right into that arm lifted his arms up and hooked it is perfect. But the fact that it was Missoula's challenge that gave them the, the three free throws, I don't know if the refs Incredible. would have gone and looked at it themselves. Like, But there is at least a redeeming part to that. It also gave them back like seven-tenths of a second or something, which saved their game that's as made, well. That's so, a big difference. Yeah. So, so on your Jimmy point, Zach, real quick, so – the, the the thing that I think frustrated me so much about Horford and that also I think just shows Jimmy's savviness, especially when it comes to drawing fouls. I mean, there's like nobody in the league that's as good at it as he is. There was a play, I think like a minute or two earlier where he drives down. I mean, once we hit that four minute mark, Jimmy was basically like, okay, I'm, I'm taking over. I'm going to go down. I'm going to get these foul calls. I mean, I think he, he probably took like, six to eight free throws in the last Michael Jordan's a legitimate child right there, man. I mean, he, I think he's, I think he's actually earned like legitimacy. Like I think Michael should come out and, and actually, uh, that's my legitimize him. If Jimmy wins the championship, (laughs) that's when Jordan's going to do it. Like now you've earned my respect, son. (laughs) He just pops out of the crowd. Like I've always loved you. I've loved watching you. Like John, you're my kid. Like John Snow becoming king of the North and not being a bastard anymore. Like I just, I think it'd be so special. What does Devin ever die? What exactly, Pat? No, exactly, Patrick. (laughs) So, so what I was saying was that 53 seconds left. Jimmy comes down, drives against Horford. Horford swipes down at the ball, and it's an and one. So the fact that Horford did it again, like 30 seconds later. On a three, I'm all for getting up in the guy's space, making sure that, you know, you're you're closing out as much as you can and not giving him any space to really get a shot off. But don't swipe down at the ball, man. He's going to get the foul call 99.99999% of the time, and that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, I mean, the last, like, 10 to 15 seconds was nuts. Obviously, you, you guys probably saw on Twitter there was a bunch going around about, like, was it supposed to be three seconds on the clock? Did Jimmy actually get fouled before... He went up to shoot a three, so it should have been two free throws. Like I, I think the NBA came out, though, in their two-minute report and said that everything was correct, which, I don't know, I have a little bit of a hard time believing. But we'll get into refereeing a little bit later. Don't you worry. I, I thought the foul was on the ground. Uh, I did, too. So my dad has brought this up before, and I don't know if I brought it up on the pod, but one thing that should be required as part of reviews 
is the refs have to watch it in real time. Like they can go back and look at it, but they can't slow it down. They can't do all this stuff uh, because at full speed, that looks like a foul on the ground. Jimmy's taking two shots and who knows what happens. Uh, maybe the Celtics make a shot, but maybe they don't. And we get an overtime, which is even more fun. And Miami probably wins that game because they had all the momentum going down the stretch. So They sure did. Boston, again, in true Boston style, did not hit a shot, not a single field goal in the final four minutes until Derek White hit that tip in at the very end of the game. So it was, I told, I told you guys before we jumped on, to me it was literally like watching game seven of last year all over again. Um, I thought Jimmy was going to actually pull up and hit a three to go ahead. So the fact that he, I mean, he didn't do it that specific way, but he still got three points on the board. Um, so here, here's my question. Obviously, game six, just one of the worst possible ways you can lose a game. I think of, you know, I, I, the Ray Allen shot has obviously been going around after that. That was the, the, so I'm kind of all over the place here, but I don't know if you guys can remember like times where you have, and obviously Jason was at a wedding, so he wasn't screaming at the phone when this happened, but there are a handful of times I can remember like screaming at my TV, getting up when something like this happened. So this was one, the Ray Allen shot, obviously back in what, 2013? Is that when that happened? Um, Dame Lillard against the Rockets in 2014. Oh, I, I, I screamed at the TV. I thought you were going to mention against a different one. Yeah. <laughs> and then again against the Thunder. There were two times. Playoff buzzer beater series ending. Yeah. So um, anyway, I, I just, this game was such a blast to watch. But my question for you guys is like going into game seven, who do you think is going to take it? Well, first I just have to say and ask one early burning Burnham question. Obviously, we all want to see Jimmy in the finals, and we all want, especially you guys, like want the Heat to win this series. But are you at least like a little bit glad that this happened and we get all this drama and the Game 7? Because we all know the greatest two words, the greatest phrase in the English language, Game 7. We're going to Game 7, baby! <laughs> game 7! Literally nothing easy this series. <laughs> like it's <laughs> not it should be easy to win a series when you're up 3-0 but uh uh i no i i i'm happy for the the basketball community at large um i'll be even happier if it <laughs> ends with jimmy actually going to the finals again um but yeah it's it's as a Celtics hater, wouldn't it be better for you if like the Celtics climb all the way back and then they get beat in Game Seven? Absolutely, it'll be no regrets if they lose Game Seven. But, <laughs> <laughs> but hashtag no regrets. But there, as we've established, there are no basketball gods. We live in a chaotic universe, and so <laughs> it's very possible the Celtics can actually finish this off. And if if it's a Boston team that does it for like the first time in baseball and basketball i'm gonna be unhappy really unhappy boston fans are going to be insufferable oh gosh again but here's both the of thing those things. okay so the reason why the 04 socks was so special was because they actually won the world series i think either of these teams is losing to the nuggets i'm just going to go on record and say that now especially i hate to say it but if the heat get through it just feels like they're running on fumes at this point like jimmy's legs look completely shot i know he'll have a couple days to try to recover but the fact that he's running on fumes at this point it's only two days pulling. it's only going to be two days yeah you're right it's tuesday thursday or tuesday wednesday right i mean the role guys have been pulling magic out of their butts for a month straight I, that's got to run out at some point i know i keep saying that but you combine that with the fact that like I love Bam. I would love to have Bam on my team. I don't think he's the guy to stop Jokic. He doesn't have the size to battle with that guy game after game after game in a seven-game series. So um, I don't know. So that's the heat side of things. Then Boston, I just, I, I, I've said this over and over again. There is enough variance with the amount of three-pointers they take that they could, in theory, beat Denver. I just think Denver's rolling right now, and Boston is so inconsistent that I'm I'm taking I'm taking Denver. So anyway, I say that because it would Boston fans would be insufferable, but would they be less insufferable when Boston loses in the finals? I mean, hopefully, but but they like it it would be a feather in the cap to be like the only team ever to come back from down 3-0. And I it just 
would not like to give them that. And especially, especially against Jimmy, man. Jimmy doesn't deserve this. Like, <laughs> he's, uh, I don't know. I, I actually kind of think the finals might be a little bit of a, like a rock, paper, scissors situation where um, Miami can beat Boston. Um, Den- Denver should beat Miami. And I think the Celtics might actually have like a half decent shot uh, against the Nuggets. Um, because I don't think, like, I don't know. I mean, Horford, Horford and Williams is a pretty decent uh, post-defense slash helper combination against Jokic. Um, and plus they have like, you know, the wings and perimeter guys for days to make Murray's life hard. And so honestly, I almost, if like, if I, if I actually hated the Nuggets anywhere near as much as I hated the Celtics, um, then, and we went, I, all I wanted was just like a competitive finals. I would be rooting for the Celtics tonight. Um, but, um, and not to say that the Heat don't have a chance. I think they, I think they would have a great chance. I'm done counting out Heat culture um at this point and they 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 do have one of these teams that it can be a different guy every night they have enough talent but um i mean caleb martin is averaging 18 a game this season or this series on like 55 40 something shooting um he's shooting like 46 percent for the playoffs from three it's insane i think what the heat would have going for them against denver is that um is that Spolstra is not going to even like play around with the idea that any one guy on his team can defend Jokic. I think that's part of the problem is like, that's part of part of the Lakers problem is they were like, Oh, let's just, let's see in game one, if AD can just do it alone. And he couldn't because no one can. And so if you dispense with all of that and you just mix up the coverages, I think you give yourself a better shot, but um, but who? But who are they throwing at Jokic? Right, like that's yeah. the, that's the tough thing with their rotation. I just like, yurt, Kevin yurt. Love. I was gonna say yurt seven. It's yurt. Time, you throwing baby. out a little yurt action. <laughs> I don't know. No, you're right. Just have Cody Zeller break his leg in game one, and yeah, he won the game oh one the series. You know, they could maybe bring back uh, Hassan Whiteside. I don't sure. think he's playing on any teams right now. Yeah. Yeah. Let you don in there totally to throw legal. a couple punches. <laughs> oh man. Uh, incredible. Bring out Jovic to stop Jokic. Ooh, now we're talking. I like it. I like it. Okay, so I, uh, I mean, I'll go. I think Boston's going to take Game Seven. Unfortunately for for Jason, I do think it's going to be a rock fight. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take Boston, and hopefully, I'll be eating my words here in a few days. I think this whole playoffs has been a pendulum, um, and that that none of these teams should be believed in to win four straight games and that everything that swings one way eventually swings back the other way. That's, that's my like weird vibes, uh, heat take. Cause back, cause like X's knows at this point, like I think these teams, at least in this matchup in this series are more or less even. If you look at the numbers, if you look at how different guys played every game, like I think in one game between these two teams, anything can happen. And so when we don't have, I mean, Boston has the momentum, obviously. With that said, they probably should have lost game six. Um, and so, um, and I don't think his, I don't think the Heat as a team are the kind of team to be like, oh man, we had our best shot in game six and just pooped the bed in game seven. Like, they're not Philly. Philly was like, oh, we didn't get that one at home. This is over. I mean, the Heat are going to throw their best kind of game seven punch and they are a game seven kind of team. Uh, like, when it gets mucked up, Jimmy Butler's gonna sure. draw eighteen free throws. Uh, maybe he'll have a like a Kobe two thousand ten game seven where he has like you know twenty four and fifteen, and like most of that's on free throws. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, rooting for him for sure. I think I, I'm, I'm I'm picking the Heat. Let's go, Jimmy. Whew, I'm really glad you picked the Heat because there was about to be some bad juju if all of us picked the Celtics, and then we definitely would have been wrong. Uh, I feel like whoever I pick is going to lose because that's just kind of how things go. Burnham curse is real. No basketball gods, but the Burnham curse is very strong. So, so you're picking the Celtics? Is that what you're saying? Picking the Celtics? I, There's so, a little bit of a reverse psychology on my part. I don't know if I can think of um, any game or series. Series now. I, obviously, when it was 3-0, I definitely thought that he would win the series. Uh, I don't think I can think of any game or series that I have seen as more of a toss-up than this uh for all the reasons you guys laid out so i won't belabor the point um celtics in this 
in games four and five looked really good. And it was in large part to adjustments that Missoula had made on both ends. Like we know Spo is probably the best coach in the league. He came out and he, he was just outclassing Missoula. And then Jimmy and Jimmy, of course, was outplaying Tatum and all those guys too. So, uh, but Missoula, to his credit, has been really good throughout all these playoffs at making adjustments. I don't think he's a master uh, offensive-minded coach, but he's very good on the defensive end, and he does it just enough on offense if his guys buy in to make a difference. And maybe I'll get into that a little bit more on the next segment, but uh, definitely in Game 7, they fell back into their bad habits like they always do on offense. It's just who they are. It's who they have been under Ime, under Joe, under Brad Stevens a few years ago. They've always been the same team on offense. Um, they go through these stretches, and it usually happens in the fourth quarter, which makes it look worse than maybe it is. Maybe if it happened in the second or the third, it wouldn't look as bad. But the fact that it always happens in the fourth, they blow a big lead, and then it comes down to the end, just makes it look terrible. And Derek White had to go and save them from that epic collapse. Um, but even with that like rough stretch of 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 uh, sh- terrible shooting and shot selection, they were solidly winning that game pretty much the whole game until they had that little collapse. So I just think that they have the higher ceiling, uh, and it's frustrating when they don't play up to their talent all the time. But barring like a simply massive game from Jimmy, I think I give like a very very slight edge to the Celtics, just because I think they have enough to overcome uh, the little bit that the Heat have. Like, the Heat need a lot more to go right, I feel like. And we can look back to last year to see evidence of that. Like, Jimmy Butler in that elimination game scored 47 points, 17 in the fourth, almost pulled it back, but they still lost, you know. That's a Herculean effort, and it still wasn't enough. If the Celtics can play just up to most of their talent level, 80% of their talent, they're a little bit better than the Heat. So, But it's it's, it's honestly 50-50. Jimmy's so good that I won't count him up. Well, you heard it here first. Burnham Curse, the Heat are going to the finals. Congratulations, Miami. It's going to be uh, Miami versus Denver. No, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I should have mentioned this at the beginning. We are, we're recording this the morning of Monday, May 29th. So game seven is happening tonight. So by the time this is released, uh, a lot of this will be a little bit pointless because one of these teams will be in the finals at that point. So we'll see what happens. Let's go ahead and move on to our next segment which is uh, burning Burnham questions. Now that Zach is back, back again, <laughs> pack attack, got the runs. Pack, pack, what, pack attack um, is back. Back, yeah, pack attack is back. Um, so Zach's going to walk us through some, some burning questions he's got on his mind. And Jason and I will do our best to uh, answer these. I should note that neither Jason nor myself know what these questions are. So that makes this a little bit more exciting. And with that, I will turn it over to you, Zach. So my first question is sort of a play on what we just talked about. So we don't have to go too far into it. But we're now at a stage where neither of these teams has the true upper hand. Maybe Boston a little bit because they have the momentum. But they're still a team coming from 3-0 down. So their back's against the wall. But Miami has to not be the team to give up a 3-0 lead. So their back's against the wall. So my question is what team do you have more confidence in with their back against the wall? Jason brought up a good point just a second ago that this Heat team seems like a Game 7 type of team. And so I know you already brought up some points, but I, I would like to hear just a brief word from each of you about what team you think is better at dealing with adversity and why. I mean, for me, it's easy. It's, it's Miami, 100 times out of 100. Um, and it's not, I mean, obviously the, 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 the easiest thing to say is hashtag in Jimmy, we trust, but it's not just that it's also the really, for me, it's the whole Miami infrastructure. Like this goes back a long time. Obviously you've got Pat Riley at the helm. Um, Zach, you just touched on this. Like to me, Eric Spolstra is, is undisputed, indisputably undisputable hands down the best coach in the league right now. <laughs> And I think he's great at instilling confidence in his guys. The fact that they can pull these dudes off the scrap heap that, you know, have in, in a lot of cases, like I, I was listening to the the Bill Simmons podcast yesterday and the, him and Rosillo were talking about how I think Charlotte may have like cut Caleb Martin at one point. And 
um, Karan Butler convinced Miami to sign him, which is just nuts. And now you see what he's doing in the finals. So the infrastructure and the fact that they have Jimmy Butler, who I think is just going to come out and have an incredible game seven. Um, I don't think Jimmy's not going to let this happen. So even if they do go down, it'll be going, go, it'll, it'll be them going down fighting versus them rolling over Boston on the other hand. So it's a combination of like the infrastructure Miami for me with Boston's just, it's I've, this has been well-documented on this podcast. Like for me, Boston has just been a team that has been really hard to trust over the last several years. I don't really trust their, because of the inconsistency with their dudes at the top, like Tatum and even Jalen, like Jalen Brown has not had really a great series. He honestly hasn't been great in the playoffs this year, period. So I don't, I don't really trust those dudes. Obviously you've got Missoula. Who's a first year rookie head coach. He's had some moments, especially in the last few games, but um, yeah, I mean, with those things kind of combined, I'm, I'm taking Miami. I feel like, uh, I feel like Boston's biggest problem is actually complacency. Like I feel like, uh, I feel like Tatum specifically is, I think he's the bellwether of this team. And, you know, when it came down to it in, you know, in game six and seven against uh, Philly, he just caught fire as soon as the back was like truly against the wall. And so I can't, I, I, I can't like say that the, that the Celtics are a bad back against the wall team because when they've hit it this year, they all they like they like hit the wall and then bounce back to kind of a better version of themselves. Um, but I mean, winning three straight games and going home for a game seven is kind of a decent recipe for like a tiny bit of complacency. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you would hope that a team wouldn't be complacent in a game seven, um, but they also just almost lost game. Like I feel like winning game six almost might paper over some of the issues they had in that game because they almost lost a, a closeout game where Jimmy Butler and Bam went nine for 37 from the floor. Like you would think that wouldn't happen again. I mean, obviously their defense had a little to do with that, but I, I mean, Jim, like the heat are just a total, a, a total group of underdogs dudes who have all clawed for everything they've gotten and clawed their way kind of out of being counted out both as individuals and as a team. I mean, Spo, nobody thought he was going to be a real coach. Everyone thought he was just hanging on until LeBron found a better coach. And he clawed himself out of the video room as the best coach in the league. Jimmy Butler, you know, his mom kicked him out when he was 13 years old and he had to find a, a, a family to live because with. Because MJ stopped paying child support. <laughs> exactly, right? exactly. You know, I don't, think it, I don't think anybody thought Bam was going to be this good. Kyle Lowry, I mean... How many times did he get traded before he got to Toronto? Like people thought he was just like a grumpy pit bull. Caleb Martin. I mean, all these guys. Max Struess. You haven't even talked about Max Struess. Like, yeah, I think they have what four of their rotation guys are undrafted. Yeah. So I mean, if there was a if there if there was a team that I actually would prefer to play on the road in a game seven, it would be the Heat because it just adds to the obstacles against them. It adds to the chip on the shoulder. So in this, when it comes to like the vibes and the situation, I like, I like the heat, but, but the Celtics are not a, I don't think they're like a wilt under pressure team. They're like a wilt, just losing focus team. I think those are both really great answers. And I, I kind of liked phrasing the question because it's basically, who do you think will win in a different way? And we got slightly different answers. I, and the reason I, I bring this up is because basically what you said, Jason, is that the Celtics are really terrible when the games don't matter. They will just mess around. They'll be complacent. And they just don't have that fire. And I think initially when you look at this question, you think, oh, it's obviously the Heat. We've talked about it all series, or you guys have on the other pods. They have the heart. They have the leadership. They have fire. They have guys who have clawed themselves up from, from nothing in NBA terms. Um and literal terms for some people like Jimmy. But it's if you actually go back and look at what the Celtics have done, I think they are a very dangerous team in this type of situation. Uh, your argument about them maybe having a little bit of complacency because of what happened in Game 6 is, is well taken. But I've mentioned that I have like serious concerns about their fourth quarter offense, but 
we have to remember that this team has been in four game sevens over the last two years. They've won all of them. Jason Tatum in his career, five and one in game sevens. And their record in elimination games, while not perfect, obviously they lost to the Warriors last year and they've lost in the Eastern Conference Finals, is very, very good overall. Like Tatum, for example, uh, and you brought this up a little bit, Jason, is that when he gets his back really pushed up against the wall, he shows up. Game six against the Sixers, everyone talks about game seven, scored 51 points. And understandably, we kind of threw some shade at him for his game six performance uh, because he was awful for three quarters. But then the The fourth fourth quarter, quarter, they're down double digits, and he had played awfully all game, staring at elimination. He scored 17, including three dagger threes when he hadn't hit one all game to bring them back into that and to win that game. So I just, I see that, I feel like this team can really pull it out in that situation. Uh, so it's, it's hard for me to give the edge to anyone in this, in this game. Uh, and I think it does come down, because the Celtics have a higher ceiling, as I've talked about, I think it does come down to what mode do they come out of the gates with? Because um, Jimmy's going to come with everything he has. So, all right, on to my second question. This kind of follows up in this idea of confidence. Who do you have confidence in uh, in this situation? We're going to do a couple of confidence battles here with the matchups. We're going to go through 1v1. Who do you have more confidence in in this game seven? Who's going to play better? First battle, Marcus Smart versus Kyle Lowry. Who you got? That's a a really tough one. Uh, I'm going to take Marcus Smart. Don't feel great about it. That's what I'm taking. So I think it's I think it's quite possible Smart plays more than plays better than Lowry like in general because I think he brings more to the table at this point like not you know just talent wise and what they can do but I think I would expect Lowry to like be at his best uh, more than Smart in this game um, so yeah as I mean his best I think is as good as Smart if not even a little bit better. Uh, obviously, his age has changed his, his ceiling, but... Okay, next one. Derek White versus Gabe Vincent. I'm going to go Derek White. It's a game at home. He's coming off just an, the absolute biggest confidence booster you could ever have. But that combined with... I think Gabe Vincent's a little bit hampered. He went down a couple games ago with an ankle sprain. So that combination, I'm, I'm going White. I would say so. Yeah, I'd, I'd give Derek White more, but but like but like... I feel like like uh, I feel like I'm doing the Doctor Strange thing, where it's like there's one way uh, for us to win this, and it's like I feel like I feel like most of Derek White's uh, possibilities are probably better than Gabe Vincent's possibilities. But if it's a Gabe Vincent night, it's gonna be like it's white hot, you know what I mean? So I'll give it to Derek White, but I think there's a chance that like on like the Miami Heat role player dice. Like if if the role ends up being Gabe Vincent, then it's a huge night for him. Yeah, I think Gabe Vincent might be the most important player for the Heat in this game. Him being hurt has really affected the way that they play. He's kind of come out and become the second ball handler and creator that that offense really needs. Uh, so him playing hampered, as Pat said, I think uh, makes it really tough for them to win. So hopefully that Doctor Strange won time will will work out um this one is not a matchup of position but more like where i think they they rank uh for their team like their importance for the team so i got al horford versus duncan robinson third i always expect big things from al horford in these situations because i'm just not like because we we live in like one of the darker uh timelines or that just is expected. <laughs> <laughs> big things from Big Al. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I lean. I think I lean lean Big Al in this case. I don't know if that's biased towards Duncan. I'm not the biggest uh, the biggest Duncan fan. Plus, we also just watched him poop his pants on live television in the last four minutes of Game <laughs> Six. So I don't think his confidence is going to be uh, through the roof. So I'm going. <laughs> I'm going Big Al. But I mean, I, I will point out like Al has not had a good series, at least offensively. Yeah, I think exactly. he's shooting like eighteen percent from three. So I don't know, but you're pretty point, sure he Jay, made all like, of those if there's, shots in Game Five. No, really. I mean, like I, I think that if there's ever a game where he's going to 
put it together finally, you know, it's got to be Game 7. I will also say Game 7s are not for three-point specialists. Like, Game 7s are rock fights. Nobody shoots better than, like, 40% from the floor in a Game 7. Like, and so I, it's, not a, it's not a Duncan Robinson kind of game. That's actually that's actually a really good point. I, I didn't think about uh, because I was thinking of Duncan Robinson as another guy who a lot kind of rests on him and him hitting the threes because they're not a great three point shooting team, so they need guys like Duncan to hit shots. But likewise, to what you said, Pat, uh, Alex he's had some amazing defensive plays, like the block on on Bam last night or uh, two nights ago was great. But I feel like his uh, impact is a, is lessened when there isn't a big for him to take on. I think he'll have more impact in a series against the Nuggets than he's having in this one, especially if he's not hitting threes. This has come up now multiple times, but I, one stat I wish I had looked up before the pod was um, how Boston shoots threes at home because they live or die by the three, but they also haven't played well at home in the playoffs, so... I wonder, if they, do they really have like a benefit? Like does Big Al and Derek White, do these guys shoot better at home like a lot of these teams do? All right, now we'll get to the... Grant Williams does. I mean, I know we didn't see him at all, but um, yeah. anyway. I also just want to point out like Duncan in game in games five and six was taking a lot of Celtics guys off the dribble, which was uh, caught me by surprise to watch. So we'll see what he does in game seven, but I could also see like... I just, it's time. I know I said this on our text thread. It is time for the Celtics to attack mismatches. I don't understand why it's so difficult for them to hunt these guys down, to switch on to Duncan and take him off the dribble, but we'll see what they do in game seven. Is it, can we just talk about how wild it is that Duncan Robinson is a big part of the rotation all of a sudden? Like, yeah, he, like, he played like zero play in the regular the season. season. Yeah. It's insane. Okay, now we get to the. What does Devin ever die? <laughs> now we get to the big ones. Uh, first, we'll it, do. Uh, you get it now. Jalen Brown versus Bam Adebayo. Coming in, coming into the okay, series. So remind me of the question: Who's more? Who's more important, or who will show up? Yeah, who do you have more confidence in with their back against the wall in a game like this? As much as I want to say Bam, I really want to say Bam. I just think Jalen has been in this situation far more than Bam has. So you talked about Tatum earlier, Zach, who has been in a ton of game sevens, a ton of playoff games, period. You know who's been right there with him? Jalen Brown. And again, to harken back to the the Bill Simmons podcast from yesterday, he listed off a stat where I I think Jalen Brown for guys 26 and under is like fourth all time in number of of, uh, playoff games. He's at like 104 playoff games in his career, which is insane. It's only been in the league, what, like seven years? So I, uh, I I just trust him in these big moments because he's been there more, but I would love to see Bam show up. I just want to throw that out there. I'm calling it. I think it's, I think Bam is having his, I talked about like uh, Kobe maybe have, or uh, Jimmy having like a Kobe 2010 game seven game. I think, I think Bam's going to have his how 2010 game seven game. Um, like, I don't, because again, it's going to be a rock fight. Uh, it's going to be: can guys get rebounds? Can guys get offensive rebounds? Um, who can tough it out? Who can kind of dominate on defense? Uh, I, I've seen it from Bam, and I, I, with Jalen Brown, like, it, it, there's a decent chance he might have like six turnovers, um, and that could be really hurtful in a game like this. I I revised what I said earlier about Gabe Vincent being the most important. The most important player is actually Bam. Because the last three games, he has been essentially a non-factor on the offensive end. And credit goes to Missoula. And I'll get into that with my next confidence battle. Who do you have more confidence in? I think this one's probably going to be pretty obvious, but I'd still like to hear the argument. Between Joe Missoula and Eric Spolstra. It depends. How many times has Joe Missoula watched the town this week? <laughs> <laughs> Because if he's watched it more than four times, then, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. No, I, it's Spo. I mean, I, yeah, that's not even a question for me. I'm taking Spo 100 times out of 100. Jason, I know, is a big Missoula fan, though, right, Jay? I kind of think that uh, I actually kind of, the coaching will matter, but like, we're, we're too late in this series for there to be any more like, like real adjustments. Like, this isn't like a Spo is going to come out with some plan 
that's going to flummox Missoula. Like these teams have seen all of each other's punches. So I, I honestly, I mean, if it's just like out of bounds play calls and like, like good timing on using your timeouts, like it's obviously Spo, but I don't think this is a coaching battle like tonight. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I, I did want to point out uh, Zach Lowe on his podcast brought up Missoula again as making some significant adjustments that really changed uh, the way that the Celtics have played over the last three games. And it's it's really gummed up the Heat's defense, or sorry, the Heat's offense. Uh, they've just looked terrible in the last few games. The main change that I've noticed uh, as I've gone back to watch some of the games is that they're just switching everything now. And they're always, they've always been a switchy team, but they, in earlier in the series, they were doing more double teams on Jimmy double teams on bam when he caught in the high post and they went away from that and they started just switching everything. And it's, it's hurt bam in a way that I find surprising. He's been unable to take guys one-on-one. So he'll get switched on to these smaller guys, even Marcus smart, who's, a lot smaller than him, but we know he's he's strong. But Tatum and Brown, and instead of doubling whenever he gets a foot into the paint or anything like that, which allows him to have those kick those kickouts for threes and stuff, which is like his bread and butter as a playmaker, um, he's they haven't doubled and he's had to do it by himself and he's been un- unable to attack those one on one matchups that he's had. And I credit Missoula for seeing that and and thinking that that strategy would work because it has worked so far. Uh, so if Bam is able to take advantage of of those matchups he gets, those one-on-one against smaller guys, then the Heat's offense could really flow. But um, Lowe also kind of called the matchup between Missoula and Spo a, Spo a chess match, which I thought was kind of big coming from Zach Lowe because the, they're not even in the same tier in my mind uh, of coaches. Uh, we don't know what Missoula could end up being. He's a first-year guy. But he has made these great adjustments, and uh, he's done it offensively as well. And this is the first time I've seen like a real adjustment on offense because Miami in game two switched to that zone, and games two and three they just totally killed uh, the Celtics with with that zone. And the Celtics were doing your standard like attack a hole in the zone, do a pick and roll, attack a hole, and then a pass. They were just shooting the first three that came. And Missoula's change was not anything big, but he just created the, or he told the guys basically one extra pass. So you started seeing these guys, they'd attack immediately, sometimes without a pick, and then it'd be pass-pass, which created these extra rotations that the Heat couldn't catch up with. And then they'd drive again and do a second pass-pass, and they started hitting threes. But for whatever reason, in game six, they went away from that. I think maybe they tried to do it, but guys just were taking some terrible shots shooting with the guys on him, contested threes. So I don't know. I think I just wanted to give Missoula a little bit of credit. I think he has the makings of being a good coach. He's still a rookie, though, so I give it to Spo. All right, the last one we've already talked about a little bit, um, confidence battle, Jason Tatum versus Jimmy Butler. I was going give to the, give the nod to, to, to Jason since his name starts with the J, just like Jason and Jimmy. Um, oh man, this is, this is a tough one. I, I'm going to default to, to Jimmy just because I think Jimmy is uber confident in every aspect of his life. He's probably one of the most confident, confident dudes that's walking on this planet right now. So I don't, I mean, when, when Jimmy says stuff like, you know, I guarantee a game seven win, or we're going to, you know, we're going to wrap this up and we're going to go to Denver. Like, I really believe it. I believe that he's going to, I believe that he at least is going to show out in game seven, but to Jason's earlier point, I, I do think, I think Tatum will still show up. I think this is going to be a, a really fun battle between the two of them um, because Tatum's back is up against the wall as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the matchup. I, I give the edge to Jimmy just because of his incredible playoff run and kind of his history and the stuff that he's been able to do. And none of us really expected it. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's, it's, it's Tatum's moment. I feel like, I feel like people ever since, you know, the Jason Tatum is still 19 jokes from like 2017, people have been waiting for Tatum to like, you know, be a superstar. And obviously he's a superstar, like that that's not in question at this point, but 
everyone's been waiting for him to be that guy. So it's like, okay, you want to be that guy? Here's like, you got to beat that guy. Cause Jimmy Butler is that guy. And, and he beat him last year though. I, I, like you were saying, Zach, that wasn't Jimmy's failing uh, at all. Jimmy, you know, this is a situation where Tatum definitely has the talent. We've seen it in other game sevens and fourth, fourth quarter game six. But, um, but I think the difference is that Philly doesn't have a dude like Jimmy uh, or, uh, you know, to, to both kind of mix in some possessions where he's guarding Tatum. I'm sure that will happen. Um, and also take it to him on the other end. So, yeah, I mean, Jimmy is a game seven dude. He is that guy. You got it. You literally have to take the torch from him. He will not pass it. Um, and so I'm really, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm going with my guy. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree and say it's also Jimmy. Um, so I think it's a lot closer than it may appear because Tatum is such a good game seven player. And to what you said, Pat, if Tatum does come out and plays uh, really well, I think the Celtics are going to win the game. Um, if he if he's on fire from the from the beginning, uh, even if Jimmy plays just as well or better, like. Tatum plays well. It just opens up so much for that Celtics offense. Um, I think the difference, let me just say, I think the difference between the two of them is that Jimmy doesn't need to be shooting well to uh, take over the game. Like he can just, he has so many different things he can be doing well that he can just figure it out. Um, So he's not a, he's not a situation dependent or like a vibes dependent momentum dependent player. Um, and to some some extent, Tatum is though. Tatum has all the skills to do it too. Um, but yeah, so this feels like a like a Celtics are going to win by twenty or lose by two kind of game. <laughs> like I think if it's close down the stretch, I definitely give the nod to Miami. But Zach, to your point, if Jace, if if Tatum comes out firing on all cylinders from the beginning, I think that the team will follow suit. Yeah, and this has the potential to be a, a game where they could, similar to, to how Game Seven was against Philly, where you know obviously it's it's not apples to apples by any means because to your point, Jason, they Philly doesn't have a Jimmy Butler. They did at one point. They let him go for Ben Simmons um, and Tobias Harris. Big mistake. But anyway, I I think this could be uh yeah I think it if if it's close I give a nod to Miami, but we'll see. No, that's a really good point, Pat. Is that like it's like Game Seven? I'm actually thinking more about game seven against Milwaukee last last year than I am thinking about game seven against Philly this year, just because that game Grant Williams, like just made a billion threes and, um, and he was sort of riding the vibe of the whole team and they kind of ran away with it. Um, I would hope that wouldn't happen this time, but um, we'll see. So I, I find it interesting that in our confidence battle, there were a handful of role players and it all went Celtics pretty much. But um, the top two, the two that mattered most, went to, you know, Spolstra and Jimmy Butler. So it's a very, it's a very interesting dichotomy there, and what we think about these players and who's going to show up. And I think it's going to be a fascinating game. I'm always excited for a game seven. My other questions, one of them we already answered, which was which team has a better chance against Denver. The other one, I think we'll save for a later time. Uh, but I'll go ahead and throw it up now and then we could talk about it maybe on the next pod which will be a finals pod it's uh where does Jokic now stand in nba hierarchy both currently and all time and where does he stand if he wins and then another one that i had and i'm thinking about it a lot um right now but this is definitely for a pod in the future it doesn't apply now we'll stick with just celtics heat since that's the pressing issue but this is what team do you guys envision making a big deal uh, on draft day? I think a lot could happen. The Utah Jazz have three picks in the first round, 9-16 and like 23 or something. I can't remember. The Pacers have three picks. These guys could move. I don't know. I think there could be a lot that happens that day. So something to start thinking about. Love that. uh, Those are my Burnham questions for the future. I have a Burning Burnham question for Burning Burnham. Um, if the Celtics win this game, uh, how big of a fruit basket are you going to send me for like teeing you up to predict your finals like th- four weeks ago? Because we gave you the chance to do it before you left, and you're uh, you're just a couple bounces of the ball away from being super super right. Um, Is it? Did I did I predict that? 
I thought I predicted. I, I think I predicted Lakers. Lakers Nuggets Celtics. It was did Nuggets, I do Nuggets I, Celtics? Did I you? think I did Lakers I, Celtics. Oh, did you? Okay. No, uh, uh, well, but the the fruit basket. <laughs> At first, I thought, I'll still take the fruit basket. Yeah. I still want it. The real fruit basket and the real victory lap is just my defense of the Celtics and the Nuggets throughout the year. Sure. Um, specifically, when the Nuggets started playing poorly, and then the Celtics in the playoffs, uh, and me just being like, "Hold on, hold on, guys, they're still good." Whatever. I know uh, that you were like heavily encouraging. Uh, the Celtics Lakers anxiety for a while there. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I wanted uh, it just for the drama of it, but yeah. I, I also think Jokic having an opportunity in this, this Denver narrative is pretty cool. Even though uh, I have beef with the Denver fans because of that uh, bones Highland thing. So <laughs> I'm so glad that mud pie just stuck with everybody. It was so deserved it sure did it was it was extra sloppy and extra sticky you know oh i also will add besides jimmy um get, getting to the finals and and getting a chance at a championship uh another reason why another a big reason why i want the heat to lose not just because i kind of like the celtics i'm not really a fan but kind of on the periphery of their fandom is because i want Stephen a smith to not be allowed to talk about going to Miami and how much he loves Miami. He's, he's always like complaining, like, please let the heat win. So I don't have to do Boston to Denver. He just wants LA and Miami. It's all he talks about. And it drives me nuts. Dude. And I know I'm the only guy in the world just to watch his first take, but <laughs> <laughs> you sure are dude. Boston, you sure are. Boston, it's the YouTube Denver. algorithm now, man. I get the clips. <laughs> Boston, Denver is like a true, like worst case scenario for a lot of people who are who just go to the finals uh, just for the social life of it. Like, yeah, like, I just want LA and Miami. That is is Denver. Like, I've I've heard that Denver is an underrated city. I mean, I've never really no. spent any time there, no, Jason. Not for the kind of people no, we're talking. So no, about. you're shaking your head. Exactly. It's There's really a great for it's some hip, basketball white town. people. Exactly. <laughs> it's a reason it's not a basketball town. Like, I don't think like. I don't know. I don't think like Zach Lowe like loves hiking. Like, I don't know. Maybe he does. Um, yeah, I think you're probably right. Like, <laughs> like what what of the uh, media guys do you think would enjoy spending a weekend in a yurt? You know, <laughs> yurt seven maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only guy, dude. The only, great new business idea for yurt seven. Open a the yurt. The only NBA player, the only NBA player who's ever got caught having fun in Denver was unfortunately Ja. Um, and, and oh, oh man, and, and it Oof. didn't go well. Oof. So I don't think I don't think it's gonna happen again. Um, yeah, I don't think they're like trying to like go to a microbrewery and like eat. Like. <laughs> you know, you know who will actually have a great time in Denver? Probably Jimmy Butler. He seems uh, like yeah. a guy who'd be totally. It's like I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hike, stay That's in a year. We're gonna go to a microbrewery after. It's gonna be awesome, man. <laughs> Is there a Taylor Swift concert going on? Or maybe a little Nickelback. <laughs> No, but I thought your answer was going to be Grant Williams. I feel like Grant Williams is a guy who'd really oh get my into. Well, is there a Comic Con going culture. on in Denver during the finals? Is there a Magic the Gathering convention <laughs> or uh, <laughs> or not? <nah? laughs> There's a lot oh, of nerd stuff Grant. in the city, but yeah. And then you go to Boston, where it's just like, like you know, no, I don't know. <laughs> it's really, thin, I've never been to Boston. Really thin, what's it called? The, the Freedom Trail, whatever. That's what, yeah. that's what you got. Yeah. Yeah, try to take a duck boat somewhere. I don't, I don't know about that. Rob a bank, maybe. Rob a bank, maybe. <laughs> oh, look at that. What, do you think you're better than me? <laughs> Wait, are you from Brooklyn or from Boston? Uh, I, I can't tell. I'm from Brooklyn, yeah. <laughs> I can't do the Boston accent, man. I just can't do it. <clears throat> I need to watch the town and then immediately attempt the accent. You need to watch that's the town four times this week and then... Yeah, four times, four times this week. You know, I think uh, no bad. I, Just I think if the that. Heat, I think if the Heat win tonight, the best thing that I could see, like the best celebrating video I could see, is Jimmy arguing with some kid uh, from Harvard about like guns, germs, and steel, like at a bar. Like, like reenacting the Goodwill hunting scene and just like catching the guy by surprise with all of his knowledge about he's something. a renaissance man 
man. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Jimmy on stage with Shakira doing like a hips don't lie dance well, or something. De- definitely into that at all times, but Shakira curse, dude. It's the Shakira curse. If they lose, just saying. All right. Well, let's get into the mud pie moment of the week. Uh, it is my, this is my mud pie moment. And we're going straight to the world of referees in the NBA because this week on Twitter, it was discovered that referee Eric Lewis may have a burner account that he's been using for some time Blair now where he's been going Cutliff. on. <laughs> Blair Cutliff. Could you come up with a more ridiculous name than Blair Cutliff? He's an English Duke, man. I don't think Obviously, so. who watches basketball and loves referees. I mean, <laughs> here too full. Um, yeah, so he went on and it was somebody basically did a very deep dive into this Blair Cutliff individual and all the arguments that he made in response to people posting about Eric Lewis. If you don't know who Eric Lewis is, I believe Jason, when you, when you made the, uh, the cops referee comparison that Eric Lewis was the primary driver behind that because he was the referee that was standing on the baseline in the Boston uh, Lakers game back in what February, maybe before that, uh, but yeah, January. You missed the foul call on LeBron. It was super obvious to the rest of us. There's been a lot of conspiracy theories out there that he's actually a a Boston fan. And no, 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 um, not a conspiracy theory. It is, it is confirmed that his family members are Boston Celtics fans. That his immediate family roots for the Celtics doesn't necessarily mean that he is, but yeah. Well, I hate to break this to you, Jay, but I'm not sure that Blair Cutliff uh, would agree with you. So you may want to check out some of his awesome tweets on Twitter. Um, but anyway, it, it it came out that th- if you go and look on Twitter at all the responses that Blair Cutliff makes to people posting about uh, Eric Lewis, it's pretty comical. We talked about this in our text thread. What regular NBA fan is going on sticking up for the refs being like, well, well like one if you had looked one. 37 seconds yeah. earlier. And like one specific one, like you just stay on one ref. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. He's a huge Eric Lewis fan, which is just crazy. So uh, it was announced that the NBA is now basically investigating Eric Lewis and his ties to this burner account um, because apparently there's some rule. I don't know exactly what the rule is, but a rule against refs like coming out and basically I, I don't know if it's like sticking up for themselves or publicly arguing with people about this kind of stuff so it's going to be pretty comical to see what comes out of this um see if there are any fines involved or suspensions or whatever but just the fact that a ref is like i have had it with your people i am going to fight back and stand up for myself um and that he named himself blair cutliff makes it even better so that's my speaking mud pie that guy and what what started it wasn't it like so stinky? There was like a someone on Twitter like made a list of their like referee rankings, and Eric Lewis was like in the forties or something, and yeah. he was like, "I'm <laughs> I'm pissed about this. I won't stand <laughs> one. I didn't do this." Just yeah. another thing that Lakers Twitter was ahead on. <laughs> just another thing that we got to first. Uh, no, it's it's. True. Keep taking those. Led by keep, Pat Beverly, keep taking right? those flowers, Lakers fan, because uh, the Lakers <laughs> and the Celtics were definitely not in the same position. <laughs> they were they were in the same position. The Celtics clawed their way out, and the Lakers decided to dive deeper. Uh, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, Cancun. Yeah. Uh, biggest. Uh, All right, gentlemen. Well, sorry. Go ahead, Jay. Just gonna, biggest biggest stain on NBA refereeing since. Tim Donaghy, you know, like just saying. Jack Donaghy's brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Donaghy's brother. I think Tim, Tim, yeah. Tim Donaghy's like podcast tour, I think is the equivalent of Eric Lewis's burner. Account on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just maybe to like the thousandth degree. That's a stinky one. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out on this Memorial Day morning. We'll get this out uh, sometime this Sorry week. Sorry for making Jay talk <laughs> that much about the Celtics. Hopefully, it never has to happen again. Yeah, hopefully they He's can go vomit after this. Maybe that maybe they'll get caught as like a scandal with Eric Lewis, and they'll get relegated to the G League. Wouldn't would that be great <laughs> for everybody? 
Premier League style. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you from sad experience, when you get caught cheating like that, you just go on to win more championships. So screw the Astros, man. Screw the Astros. Uh, <laughs> and the Patriots. Sideburn Astros. Love uh, it. All right, dudes. Have a great rest of the day. Hello, Until Wisconsin. Next time. <laughs> Hello, Goblin Valley. Wait, what? <laughs>